This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. I'm Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser, and today I am a New Year's baby. Really? I'm very excited. Yes, very excited about the new year and all the new, new things coming up and all the events this year and uh-huh. in Las Vegas and Palm Springs and yeah. other places and, and on the high seas. Oh, yeah, that's true. There is a cruise coming up. Uh-huh. Yeah. In October. Uh, actually, two. Yeah. There's two. All the cruises. Well, because well, there's a Gainer cruise in January. There's the Chubb cruise in October. Yeah. It's just, it's just. It's all kinds of stuff. It's, oh my God. 2024 is a watershed year for the Chubb Chaser community. <laughs> Don't say that on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me. <laughs> Off to a good start, people. You look people. shocked that we've gotten to you. <laughs> Smooth. Oh, oh boy. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super Chubb. And today I am a, I don't know, I'm a January boy. I'm. Partway through the month, I'm feeling fine. Yeah. I got my my new headphones and everything's peachy. My name is Michael Willer. I'm a chubby chaser and I'm I'm a, a grateful uh, in-person boy because yeah. we uh, experienced some really frustrating lag for the last handful of online episodes and I'm, I'm just appreciating being back in person where we can actually see each other in real time. Oh my God. I can't imagine having to talk without raising my hand first. I want to respond, but I have a loading symbol spinning for me right now. Don, Don, you frozen. Sorry. Hold on, wait. <laughs> Connecting. <laughs> hey, my name's Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in Sunny Helmet. Welcome back to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, everybody. We're so glad that you can join us. Uh, we've got all sorts of interesting stuff to talk about today. Yeah. It's um, good, good episode. As Michael has already mentioned, this is our first time in 2024, all of us being in the same room, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at each other's lovely eyes while mm-hmm. we chat. Look in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going very Norma Desmond right now. <laughs> Why are they so red? <laughs> I'm just imagining all of our listeners seeing us. Yes. Picture our eyeballs in your mind. (laughs) (laughs) And while you picture our eyeballs, we want to thank you for your continued support, both listening and financial. Thank you, patrons. Thank you uh, to Bigger City and our affiliates and all sorts of wonderful people supporting the podcast in different ways. One of the really cool things about doing this show is we have one of the most like stable and consistent listener bases or, or slash audience interaction bases that we've I've ever seen in like any kind of project I've worked on. Like it, we just we just always have people coming back. We just people just keep yeah. listening. That's cool. Yay, that's appreciated. Yeah, you. Uh-huh. And thank you for coming back. And for those of you who have been coming back, uh, we're going to be going back to our traditional Valentine's Day episode this yes. year. Yes. Yes. So we want to send out a call to arms to all of our listeners. We want to hear about your questions. Arms, legs, um, bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Any body part you care to throw at us. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear about it. Specifically, we want to know your questions for us yes. about relationships, sex, and dating in the Chub Chaser world. Or not, I suppose. Uh, we, yep. we tend to get questions from Chubs and Chasers, but you don't have to be. Yep. And there's no, there's no question too big or too small. Uh, we've had some very, very, uh, gentle questions in the past about very minor details of relationships. And we've had some <laughs> earth shaking questions that have led to sexual discussions that I've had to warn my step parent, my stepmother away from mm-hmm. the day uh, that fold fucking <laughs> came on yeah, the show. The day we discovered fold fucking. That was, uh, uh, was- so 
Yes, Valentine's Day episodes <laughs> coming up. And Trevor, if they want to email us uh, some questions or... Uh, the best way to make sure we get your message is to email us at bigfatgaypod at gmail.com. Yeah. Bigfatgaypod at gmail.com. We That's bigfatgaypod at gmail.com. <laughs> Once again, big, <laughs> no, moving on. Um, so yeah, send us your questions. Uh, you have, we're going to be recording the Valentine's episode uh, the weekend prior. So anything I think believe, I believe before February 10th should be good to go. Wow. All right. Yep. I'm so impressed you knew that date right off the top I, of your I head. I did look it up because it's going to be my next trip back mm-hmm. here. Okay. When I want to do that. I really want to do those episodes in person. Mm-hmm. All right. So with all of that Alrighty. business out of the way, let's move on to pop culture. It's so cute when Trevor dances to the music. Oh my God. What was that? I brought my duck with me. Oh my God. And what did you do to it? I strangled him a slight bit. We're, uh, we're going right in with a... This is a this an is, interesting a yeah. whole vibe for um, it's this, our in person culture. Energy. Um, so from Salon, oh there boy. is uh, an apology from Weight Watchers CEO mm. saying that they got it wrong and they're embracing the, these new weight loss, yeah, life saving. They got it wrong that fat people aren't just lazy. Some of them may be sick and in need of treatment. Right. So the kind of <laughs> that's what they're apologizing for. The overview look at it is that Weight Watchers was initially about weight loss, and then around 2018 they rebranded to WW, which we talked about like early in the show, which was focused more on health and wellness. I didn't realize this. I don't know if you did, but the WW isn't just like K- like Kentucky Fried Chicken going KFC. The WW was actually meant to take out the words weight and watchers. Mm-hmm. So that, and they, they have but new Ws. The thing that never made it's, sense. It's wellness, it's wellness that works. That's the WW. But I've what, never heard that. But what That's because it's on their wall and they don't show you. But what never made sense about that is it was WW and then in parentheses. So their branding was WW parentheses, formerly Weight Watchers. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, the formerly known. Well, no, but it's like the Twitter X thing. Like, no, who, what? Yeah, but it was just like they never. I this article was the first time I ever heard that WW wasn't Weight Watchers anymore. Even though they said same, they yeah. used to be Weight Watchers, but yeah. that was part of the WW. So the the point is, they are saying we were wrong to be focusing purely on health and wellness. We're going back to losing weight as our primary because goal. because they discovered they found a way to participate in the profit. From weight loss drugs. Yeah. Because they didn't have that oh, before. Is that so it? now, yeah. be, well, because now with the introduction of Wagovi and all these semi-glutide things. Ozempic. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're doing gangbusters. And so, th- and as the interviewer quite shrewdly pointed out, so basically you had to do this, you had to evolve or die, really. Yeah. You had to embrace these <laughs> I, drugs into your business model, or why would anybody go to you for the whole true. willpower I, thing? I appreciate that the... CEO was like, I mean, you got us. We got like, <laughs> we had to evolve. Like you got to evolve or die in business. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They, they, it was very transparent, but it's, it's sort of the, the apology is sort of weak because there it was his, and I remember the wording. It's like, I'm apologizing that some of our members might, uh, might have felt shamed if they were to take our program. Which is and a really convoluted what? way of saying no one was ever shamed, but they might have, so we didn't. <laughs> it is. It is not an apology. It is a press release. It is yeah. a press release, and so I I put this out for you know to talk about this week, 
And the other day, a well-known uh, alumni of RuPaul's Drag Race, one of the fat queens, I'm not going to like, I don't, don't want to get into like, this is not an attack on the queen. And also I do, I want to make it clear I, if you are taking these drugs for whatever reason, like you do you boo, that's great yeah, for you. We're not I, here to I'm slam not the drugs. judging you. I am judging, I, I'm judging the way these drugs are being talked about and sold and pushed. Pitched really. Yes. They're, yeah, and they're- yeah. So that, uh, Weight Watchers invited a bunch of people to what they called the GLP-1 house by Weight Watchers Clinic. What? What the f- And I'm going to show Fuck. you the video. That oh, what a marketing oh, genius. We get to watch this live. Video. No, I think it is because it's like, oh, GLP-1 house, dude. Yeah. So we, Don yeah, and that, I. That totally sounds like it describes <laughs> the average Weight Watch customer. <laughs> no, but that's the point. They're rebranding. So Don and I have not seen this. Dan, have you seen this? Nope. Okay, all right. Live reaction. Hold on. Let me, <gasps> let me turn oh my mic around. Oh, my. Come with me for a day at the GLP-1 house by Weight Watchers Clinic. Living with obesity can feel like an uphill battle, but Weight Watchers Clinic created a safe space, free from judgment and shame, and it was a day to empower ourselves and our bodies while exploring various fun activities. My dress was inspired by a traditional Korean hanbok. The first order of business, lunch. Weight Watchers Clinic provided a healthy and delicious lunch made with fresh and yummy ingredients. There was no I'm food on the table. Nice no, but there is a menu telling you what you could yes, eat. Look at the spread. And then we split them to three different groups and we participated in different group activities. First, we went to the food noise room and played a little game where we hang up on various food noises that happened to us. What is this place? It's not about denying your cravings, but it's a weight loss theme park. Yeah, it's a dollhouse, a human-sized dollhouse for people who want to experience weight loss (laughs) nightmares. You know what it reminds me of? And then we went into the podcast room where we got to talk to the doctor about any questions we might have regarding GLP-1 medicine. Oh, so you get to participate in their content creation. Well, and then we ended our evening by drinking some mocktail and enjoying the beautiful L.A. sunset. He looks so happy. There is nothing taboo about becoming a healthier you. And seeking treatment is an act of self-love. Thank you for a fun day, Weight Watchers Clinic. So this was an Instagram post. And at the end, um, you know, there's the, the promo code you can use for $10 off. <laughs> and so what, what Weight Watchers, or I guess WW, Wellness Works, WW, is doing here is they're getting into the, the drug game by acknowledging that these drugs are far too expensive for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So their insurance, insurance won't cover it, but your WW membership might. Mm-hmm. So you, might? Oh. Well, meaning that you join WW and then they'll give you entree to this extra program if you pay extra. And you can participate in this in, in the drugs for, I guess, a lower cost than what they normally co- cost to human beings, which is wow. a lot of money. If you don't have insurance, these drugs are pretty much unaffordable. And to be clear, these drugs, well, maybe they were designed for a couple of reasons, but they're supposed to be for people with prediabetes. Is that correct? Well, okay. So this is, this is the thing. So there is... <clears throat> It's the same drug, it's just different dosages, right? So Ozempic is Wagovi, is all these semi-glutide. Okay. The difference is the dosage. What they found was when they were giving people the drug, uh, Ozempic, for prediabetes or diabetes to lower blood sugar, they found that a side effect was that they lost some weight. Mm-hmm. That was a side effect of the of the drug. So what they did with uh, Wagovi 
is the it's a higher dosage and it's designed specifically to create more side effects. Ah, because that's because weight loss is one of those side effects. There are many others. So all of them get increased. And the idea is, well, you know, if you can tolerate the others, one of them is weight loss. Mm-hmm. So that's which, how you... Which, to be direct, though, is a fundamental usage of most pharmaceuticals in the modern world is... Well, no, but... Oh, wait, Viagra can give you an erection? That's not what we're using it for, but okay. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's not the first time that you... There's this off-label yeah. idea. But and so, but then you create a drug. Well, I'm the same thing with finasteride and, and Propecia, right? They're the yeah. same drug, just different dosages. So, um, or Proscar, I should say. They're both finasteride. So the the point, though, is that they've managed to find a way to monetize entry into the drug scene. Right. Uh, as has Amazon, as has a lot of with companies. With a subscription model. Yeah, with uh-huh. a subscription model called a membership. Wow. And so now, all of a sudden, guess what? It, it, it would be contrary to their original wellness idea that, like, you can just sort of willpower your way to wellness. But what about all the is, poor insurance companies? This is something. <laughs> this is the thing that worries me more about it is actually the brand awareness that and and fuck you, WW, your Weight Watchers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm not calling Twitter X. I'm not calling Weight Watchers WW. <laughs> Sorry, well, fuck you. But but here's here's my concern. Weight Watchers has like a 60 year, longer than 60 year history of establishment weight weight loss uh, recognition. In the world, if, mm-hmm. if, when I was growing up, if you were a responsible fatty, you belonged to Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Weight Watchers is transitioning to a drug platform, right, then it, does that become the new responsible fat person's? Yes. Oh God, yes. Existence. Yeah. yeah, because more and more, there's no excuse to be fat. Yeah, and th- that's that's where I start getting uncomfortable. It's yeah. a, to be pressured onto these drugs, that's a problem. Yeah, well, well, because- and, that, and that is part of the, you know, so the, this drag queen who was invited to this event posted it and, you know, was also getting paid, like, get, get that bread, like, get some <laughs> money for that. Yeah. And there is this, I mean, you know, there's a, the comments are a lot. And a lot of it is people saying, like, Weight Watchers is not your friend. Weight Watchers do not, like, the, you know, it's funny that in the video, the, the drag queen says the call is coming from inside the house because literally <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. They are not, they are just trying to find whatever way to get money from fat people that they can. Yeah, it is. This is not, they are not friendly. This is not, it's well, just the same, same song and dance in a new form. Yeah. And, and I think what you have to understand is the reason they use shame for so long is because shame sold mm-hmm. and now shame doesn't sell. So they're doing something else. If shame still sold, they'd still be doing shame. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, if you want to lose weight, go lose weight. Yes. Like we're not, we're not opposed to that. It's just, we're, we're talking I, about I, the I may unfollow you. <laughs> I don't, if you're, if you're doing your whole, like my fitness journey and before and after thing, like I'm pro- I might unfollow you cause I don't want that. Well, yeah. And, and my feed, there are very few ways to do something like that and not, you know, make people feel terrible about themselves uh, to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an unintended or sometimes intended consequence. Well, I, but the other thing that I think we have to acknowledge here is that anybody on a weight loss journey gets a ton of applause. Yes. Mm-hmm. A ton of applause. Yes, there are there are naysayers. There are people who say, what is that fatty doing in the gym? How dare that fatty wear workout material? But by and large, people absolutely applaud anything that leads to weighing less the next week. Well, and let me add in the extra 
layer of like, as a fat person, I feel like I don't get a lot of praise for things that other people do get praise for. Yeah, so when exactly. that becomes the one exactly source, my yes. point. positive that's reinforcement That's my, in my point, life, Don. That's my point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big deal, mm-hmm. you know? So speaking of workout gear. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, wow, man. Nice transition, Mike. I mean, look, at least it wasn't just randomly. Smooth like a Lululemon All right, next stretch. subject. <laughs> we're talking about uh, kind of Lululemon. Yeah, we're not talking about Lululemon. We're talking about the founder who basically was fired from the yeah. company five years ago. Lululemon yeah. would like us to make it very clear that we're not talking about <laughs> yeah, Lululemon. As they do. Yeah. Also. So in USA Today, let's just start with the headline here. Lululemon founder says brand isn't for everyone. You don't want certain customers coming in. And to be clear, this guy has not worked for this company in eight years, almost nine. Yeah. Like he is not associated with them anymore, but yeah. he still likes to is talk about Is he banging them. the CEO of Abercrombie and Fitch? <laughs> Probably. An item? But no, they're just yeah. filleting each other continually. Okay. Well, yeah, oh. because the Abercrombie and Fitch has the same sort of, the founder had the same yep. sort of party line. It's like, no, we're not for everybody. We're for the best people. Yep. I mean, there's some great quotes in this though. Like oh, trying yeah. to become like the gap, everything to everybody you know, like I think the definition of a brand is that you're not everything to everybody. You got to be clear. Which, I mean, on some level, he's right. I, I got to say, yeah, that is actually what a brand is. Yeah, but yeah, and and I, this I, is I how feel you like do Lululemon it. can be that brand if they want, and I cannot support them, and well, I can make fun of anyone that does. Whoa, 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 whoa. and they're yeah. not that brand, and they're yeah, not trying. Yeah, to be that he brand. follows <laughs> it immediately by saying that the company's whole diversity and inclusion thing is is. <laughs> Is, is something to object to and that their their uh, models look unhealthy and sickly and not inspirational. He just keeps going. Like no, this. because they, yeah, they don't look aspirational. Right. Uh, that, that you would, that, that he wants, because there's, there's two ways to go with this, right? Do you have your, your clothing models? If you're modeling athletic leisure wear, do you have them look like everybody who would be buying your clothes or do you have them look like, Oh wow! I want to look like them, and they're wearing the mm-hmm. the aspirational. The aspirational, and so his model is the aspirational. And the same, you're right, Don. It was the same thing with Abercrombie and Fitch. You want to buy our khakis and white shirts? Which come on, yeah. they're khakis. They're white shirts. Yeah. If they've been made on the planet before. But no, but look how good they look on this incredibly beautiful New England model. <laughs> I just think it's interesting watching uh, brands getting undone by their own branding. Like, yeah, I, I don't uh-huh. know. If, people remember the Ed Hardy brand. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. When, where if someone who wore Ed Hardy became synonymous with being a douchebag, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that became their brand. Well, but I think that's the, the the douchebag. Like it, I I don't think it was that Ed Hardy. Like I associated Ed Hardy with douchebags. It's just that, like, wow, douchebags seem to love Ed Hardy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, I think BMW faces that same problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but that's true of all branding and yeah. like. Lululemon is recognizing that that could be a problem for them if they get associated with this guy's thinking. And and I think what you're saying, Don, is, and, you know, because I think Michael and I are saying, like, yeah, there is some truth to the fact that a brand is, is it segments the market. Well, who is mm-hmm. the market? Well, those are people. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying is that when you have a brand that is now associated with this group that was on top, mm-hmm who is now no longer on top or at least is embarrassed about being on top yep. mm-hmm. or we don't like their being on yeah, top mm-hmm. and we have some things to say about why they're on top. Yeah. Then all of a sudden your brand is now represented by, Oh, I don't know. What'd you call them? Trevor douchebags. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't, I think these brands should be paying people to not wear their clothes. Like, <laughs> I, I think know. they wish they could. <laughs> Lululemon, uh, I don't know. 
start an anti-influencer campaign and pay people who don't want to wear your clothes to not wear your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a win-win. All right. <laughs> I'm just imagining the Instagram like, hi, I'm not wearing Lululemon because they paid me not to. They yeah. said I'd look slutty. In <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you hear it, boys? Do you hear it? Flying over the horizon. It's change. Coming closer. It's Fat Watch 2024. Yeah. You and cro- so cross is. out that 2023 you wrote down, listener, as you're transcribing <laughs> the episode. We have a great, a fantastic piece a- after two very weird kind of down articles. Yeah. I always, so one of my favorite things about Fat Watch is when there is an article that is the perfect thing to send to like your family member yes. or your coworker or like someone who's like, just doesn't get it. And this is one of those pieces. What's all that woke stuff about fat liberation? I don't get it. Yeah. So this is written by uh, Sarah Stewart. It's an opinion piece in CNN. Um, and it primarily focuses on Aubrey Gordon, who's f- friend of the show. Can we say that? Can we like, well, we aspirational friend yeah. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and friend, our, the fat friend we would all like to have. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So her handle is your fat friend and there's a new documentary featuring her, which I think is the impetus for this article. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. her, her documentary is now making the rounds of festivals. And this article, as Trevor mentioned, is just the, it perfectly encompasses and addresses in, in really kind terms, every single sort of uh, stigmatic argument you might come up against with somebody who doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it focuses on a lot of anecdotes from Aubrey Gordon herself, but this is written by Sarah Stewart, who uh, I believe goes by she, her pronouns. I don't actually know. I don't think it says in there anywhere. But the point is, she's like a thin woman. And so it's kind of great to see this representation coming from somebody, you know, like as Trevor pointed has pointed out before, it's one thing to have a fat person say, hey, listen to us fat people. And I think it's another thing to have somebody write in and say, look, this is important and and not actually being in. It's the value of allyship. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, it's a perfect ally piece. And, you know, it, it sets up all of these sort of history and backstory in the first, I don't know, half or two thirds. But in the end, it has some like really direct, like, here's what you can do. Yes. If mm-hmm. you are an ally who wants to look for, I mean, and it's sometimes, it's some simple things like call out comedians who tell fat jokes, mm-hmm. um, but also erasing the words obesity epidemic from your vocabulary, which I think, you know, it can be uh, really damaging in a lot of ways. And it's helpful to just sort of move, move past that kind of rhetoric. Um, yeah, I don't like that epidemic phrasing. It I makes was, it sound it, it, like can, we're a plague on the earth. Is it? Well, yeah, I was going to, should I, should someone talk about like, okay, yes, there seem to be more fat people now than ever. Why that's not an obesity epidemic is for two reasons. Number one, it's not a disease, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. have a vector. It was called a disease for purely marketing purposes so that the WHO could make people excited about it. And you can't make some, it was like, why are there more fat bodies? Let's make it a disease. I mean, I will say that one of the whole things about Weight Watchers and their new thing is talking about obesity as a disease. Absolutely. They're, well, they're committed to that because that means you just have to buy the product more urgently because it's not about vanity. Oh, no, no, no. It's about saving your life, Tom. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and it's not an epidemic because you can't have an epidemic of something that's not a disease. Oh, yeah. Anyway, back to our article. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I and I like that also there's, you know, it's it starts off kind of talking about Aubrey Gordon and her writing and now the, the, the movie, Aubrey Gordon, the movie. Um, <laughs> Which is called Your Fat Friend. Yes. Um, but also I like that whenever uh, the author is kind of citing these ways you can support fat people in your life, they cite other fat people talking about this and like lifting up the, you mm-hmm. know, 
work of fat folks in talking about this. Yeah, it's a really great, I guess, really sh- like Reader's Digest version of what fat activists have been saying for the last 50 years mm-hmm. in one article that's readable. In a, yeah. in a very visible article, too. I mean, that's right. Yeah. CNN. I mean, or CNN. People, so, yeah. people who have been listening to our podcast are not going to be surprised by any no, of the absolutely. In this article. <clears throat> Even less so if you are but, fat. But <laughs> I will say, I think you'll be very pleased to read this article on CNN. And in in this in in this depth that they approach it, it really is. Yeah, it's a great yeah. article. It it and it is so generous in how it talks about you know so and so has been saying this for years, yeah. not just Aubrey Gordon. And, right. You know, yeah. And right. I hate to say it, folks, but let's be honest. Like it's a positive fat article. Let's give it some hits, please. Yeah. The, the more hits we give these good news articles, the more they get the more, written. The more they get written. Mm-hmm. Everyone, open up the article, and we'll all just sit together refreshing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, should you be wondering, because I did wonder this, uh, there is no comment section. Good uh, for them. Good for them. So that's always <laughs> no. There doesn't need to be a comment section. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot. Like, I really love that news publications have largely been moving away from comment sections, but they do still exist. Um, and so it's, I think it personally, it's just nice to know when I can go into a space and not get slimed. Mm-hmm. The, I like the, so the daily mail has oh been God. publishing just a ton of, usually it's just like talking about a fat influencer just doing something. <laughs> and the comment Existing. section uh, is always just like, what's all this? What's some, <laughs> what? I, I, you know, you got to congratulate the British media for actively covering who is the fattest? Who is not the fattest anymore? How many? Right. Th- how many? How many? How many stone has such and such gained? We how were, many stone well, is such and such? The British media is all over this vital issue. Well, it's because Guinness Guinness Book of World Records. Who said this? Trevor, they don't have yeah, the world's fattest person anymore, and so somebody has to take a pin. That's right. So the British media and the Sun and the Mirror have like stepped into the gap. Well, it's weird because I so like <laughs> the the Daily. I don't know if it's the Daily Mail or the Sun. The, one of those, you know, the the British kind of tabloid publications um the person writing these articles i think is a fat woman and they're like it's always like a very kind of um what's a, a sensational headline oh well of course. but then it's a very neutral yeah there's a like of- body to the the article and it's like i think they're trying to like, well, I, I can like, I'm on the inside. It's a branding thing. And they I have to like, keep their identity, the, the headline that most people are just going to read the headline. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to dig further, maybe it's not as bad as it usually is. Well, I mean, how many people take the headline as the news story? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like obese men cannot get up courtroom steps. <laughs> well, no, but I think that's why with the daily, there's one of the, I don't know if it's daily mail or the sun, but there's an, Whenever they, it's like, it is a three sentence headline. Exactly. <laughs> because it is like, this is the entire story in the headline. Yeah. So you can just. Yeah. Well, and the purpose of that headline is to get you to scroll down to the bottom of it. Why it's three lines. And then you can see their ad. Something like somebody's sold, they've sold ad space underneath it. Mm, and then you get to the article mm-hmm. and that's interrupted with ads. And it's, it's all about being a carrier way for advertisement. Um, so our main subject today, uh, I'm, I'm hoping this will be like an interesting dive. Uh, we're tackling the, the sort of two, the dichotomy tropes. And I yes. say tropes in, in that's in all bold capital letters uh, for fat people, which would be on one hand, you kind of have the sad fat guy trope, which is, I think, what a lot of people expect a fat person to be. like. Well, well you're, you're fat, fat, you must be depressed. Mm-hmm. And you must be depressed. Yeah. Uh, but and, on the other and hand. That, the, sad tro- the sad fat guy trope involves uh, loneliness, 
usually of being yeah. a loner. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, honey, you better lose weight. Otherwise eating, you'll never yeah. get a date. Eating Secret to, eating. To, mm-hmm. to, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Um, um, and shame. Shame being the guiding emotion in that person's mm-hmm. life. And, Are and, you tired of being fat? And an <laughs> understanding from the general public that, well, of course you're sad. You're and fat. A good example of this in popular culture is the whale. Yeah. Which we I was going to say, like, last year. the people who are like, I, you know, like, I saw the whale. I get it. Yeah. On the flip side of that, we've got the other trope that uh, that a lot of us try and live up to is the jolly fat man. The jolly fat mm-hmm. man. Um, while the the sad fat man is the, uh, the the picture of how we are not supposed to live, the jolly fat man becomes the image of the way the fat man can successfully integrate into society and be accepted by being happy, a source of joy. I think the word you're looking for, Don, is comic relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's an element of the comic relief. There's also an element of compensation. Yeah. Well, and the jolly fat man doesn't live for himself. The jolly fat man is Santa Claus. He lives mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. His existence is to lift up other people, make them feel better about themselves. Which is why he doesn't need a date like he'd ever get one. But, you know, it's it's no, it's, there's a lot of that, right? It's the best friend. It's the crying mm-hmm. shoulder. Yep. Um, I talk about a lot of this stuff in my book about, like, that fat people sometimes find themselves in roles Mm-hmm. Uh, the caretaker child, because especially if you're a gay fat man, yeah. mm-hmm. well, you're not, you don't, don't have kids. You don't have a wife. You're fat. You're never going to get a date. So of course you're taking care of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I will say like, that was one of the few patterns I had in popular, uh, popular culture growing up mm-hmm. was the jolly fat man Yep, was the one way into society presented to me. Mm-hmm. The, the so, one like vaguely positive way. Yeah. The mm-hmm. one positive way to make it in, like I wasn't going to be the jock. Right. That wasn't going to happen. So being the laughing cherubic Santa Claus was okay. I can do that. The Chris Farley, the John Candy, Mm -hmm. John Goodman, Oliver Hardy, like going all the way back to all fat entertainers in the past were that archetype. And, and, but included in that, you can't, it's not that they're just fat and they're funny. Mm -hmm. They're funny because they're fat. Mm-hmm. Fat, the, yeah. the self-deprecation mm-hmm. has to be a part of the humor because, well, why are you fat then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the early stand-ups that I remember from fat comics were mm-hmm. always self-deprecating, jolly fat men. I will comics. say there are some really good exceptions to that. Like John Panette, uh, he never really made fun of being fat. He made fun of how the world is not designed for him mm-hmm. uh, and how skinny people were pissing him off. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I really love that. You yeah. know, like, you know, skinny people, I, he would say skinny people, I love you, but you don't know how to navigate a buffet. You grab and move. You grab mm-hmm. and move. <laughs> oh, is, is this ham or is this chicken? I <laughs> grab and move, grab mm-hmm. and move. <laughs> Efficiency people. Mm-hmm. But the reason why these two come up so much in our conversation is because these are the two tropes that we see presented for fat people most often, even now. Yeah. So like part of it is the way this came up was um, I was having a conversation uh, with a good, good friend, listener of the podcast. He'll, he'll recognize the, the story immediately. Uh, we were talking about, um, he, he mentioned like based on how he grew up, um, you know, it was not weird or even notable to him to, and he's a fat guy to go out, for instance, to a movie by himself uh, or to go to dinner by himself and just to, basically to live and exist as a person who's single. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that wasn't notable. It was just something he did and, and was able to enjoy himself. And then a uh, thin person slash people pointed out, oh, that's so sad. You went to dinner by yourself. That's so sad. 
And it, it kind of, it was that sort of expectation that you yeah. should be this fat, the sad fat guy. Well, uh-huh. yeah, because what's behind it is, oh, you went to dinner alone. And that's so sad because you had to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're yeah. fat. That's the assumption. And you and had he, to. He was like genuinely confused by this because it's just never yeah. struck him that way. And he's not a sad fat guy. Yeah. And it was that weird expectation that he should be. And I posited it at the end of the discussion. Like, I wonder if those people who are, you know, friends and, and whoever, uh, if they would have said the same thing if he looked like me. Yeah. And I, I really question that they would have. There's there's something pernicious about this that I talk about in the book where there's two sides to, that people have to come up with an answer to why is he fat or why am I fat? And it usually breaks down in one, uh, one of three things. Either it's biological, so it's some sort of some sort of thing we have to fix with like, you know, with Wagovi, with Ozempic, we have, we have to fix it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's biological and it's not in their control. And, and that camp is a lot larger now than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Well, because th- pre- thanks Novo Nordisk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the other two camps are, it's a character flaw. So those lazy fat asses just need to get off their lazy yeah. fat asses mm-hmm. and stop being lazy fat asses. Morality. There's that. It's the moral, it's, it's the moral yeah. imperative. It's you, your duty. And then there is this middle ground. And the thing that people don't get is this is just as bad as the other one that I just said. This idea of like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're depressed and that's why you're fat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I know, you You know, like if you tell if, um, a friend of mine said like, oh, yeah, I was a fat kid. And his therapist said, oh, so you were depressed as a child. <sighs> yes. Yes. Oh it's because that's the cause. That's uh, the cause. And, beca- and, you know, being depressed makes you a read. OK. I feel like it's not even that. It's just like this, like that. If you are depressed enough, it manifests that or <laughs> like it manifests fatness. And that if you just get happy, you'll start to levitate and deflate well, and be like, I'm happy. Yes. And the fat is actually a metaphor of how you keep yourself away from others. Oh. And you've erected this barrier of flesh to keep yourself. No, fat pe- people treat me like shit because I'm fat. And that's what the barrier is. You know, See, and, <laughs> and people treat fat people like shit this way. And then they get mad. And then there's the other trope of, oh, well, just see a typical angry fat person yeah. <laughs> angry for no reason. They're well, just and, fat and they're lashing out everyone else it's so that's sad. one of the big dangers with this is not it's not just the damage it does to ourselves finding ourselves trapped in those situations it's being penalized if you are feeling sad because now you're that trope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now you are everything that trope is and people start treating you that way and so how do you try to get out of it okay i'm going to try and present the shorthand for the jolly fat person just so you'll stop fucking treating me that way mm-hmm. but that turns me into another trope Right. Well, so that's the point is like none of these things regard the individual. None Mm -hmm. of these things look at you as a person, as a human, as a person existing in the world. They all have to put you into some trope category. You are a class. And to be clear, to underscore what Michael's saying right now, like we've moved to originally we presented this as tropes that are presented in pop culture and mass culture. But when that's the only image that you see presented of fat people, that becomes our image in day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Michael's talking about right now is just that, oh, I see that in pop culture, so that must be who you are. And then applying all of those stereotypes to that person in day-to-day life. Rather than yeah. trying to get to know the person mm-hmm. as they are. And and this, by the way, this is not just strangers observing things about fat people. That no. <laughs> these are friends. These are family. These are people mm-hmm. that ostensibly know you but really don't know you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, they think they know fatness. And they, again, it's either character flaw, 
or a psychological flaw or biological flaw, Mm -hmm. but it's a flaw. I mean, I, so I think a way to look at this is, I think there is a lot in, you know, like how do you handle being a poor, like being boxed in like this by people if you're fat Mm -hmm. or I think maybe, you know, for our non-fat listeners, like where are you doing this in your life and what can you do to to confront that and change that? And I, I my first thought is with the, um, so like, you know, uh, your friend who was like, oh, that's so sad that you're just a fat person going out <laughs> by yourself and living your own life. <laughs> I would go back to the article from before, I, think, I don't know if it was before Thanksgiving or before Christmas, where I would just look at them and be like, that's so interesting. Yeah. That, why do you feel that way? Why is it sad? Because I think if you if ask you just them, say, why, why is it is sad? It sad mm-hmm. I, I feel like they'd be like. Uh, uh, yeah. How uh, do you, what would they say? What would they say? I'm very, yeah. That's an interesting thought. I, you know, like, I, cause I've definitely gone to movies by myself and I'm kind of like, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I think there's also this, there's such a stigma around like not having a partner like in it, I mean, I think in at least in you know American mm-hmm. culture, like the the stigma of going anywhere without somebody with you. I I think too that it's I think Trevor what Trevor says is right on. Just if you ask the question, oh, why is that sad? Oh, oh, did you think I was lonely? Yeah, and um, and you know exactly. It's the it's the <laughs> conflation of being alone and loneliness. Mm-hmm. And what that does yeah. is you're interrupting the automaticity of the stereotype. Yeah, you're you're mm-hmm. actually and also kind of asserting your agency and your personhood that you are not just a stereotype that gets to be. Oh. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. we we both don't necessarily agree on what you just said. Like the, yeah. what you just assumed was the truth about the world and the way things are is like, well, no. Why do you think that? Yeah. But what I like about the question is that it's a very subtle way of not so much pushing back, but like you're not pushing them back, but mm-hmm. you're just you just held up a mirror. You're not touching them at all. You're not pushing them. You're just holding up a mirror and saying, like, can you explain that to me? It's verbal wushu. It's, yeah. You it's, can just redirect their You energy. redirect it. That, no, that, and those are always the best conversational techniques. Yeah. What about- We solved it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> no, what about, um, I don't know, dismantling the jolly, I would say dismantling yeah. both the jolly prototype and then the angry fat person thing. Because I feel like the angry, like, because I, there's been times where I've just been like pissed off and I'm like, I know- I look like just the like, like I, and just like, you're trying to swallow your anger because it's counterproductive in the moment. Yes. And also I think there is, there are all kinds of tropes and stereotypes of different angry people Absolutely. in identities. But I feel like just like there is not real. I mean, there's the Karen, which now. Oh, the angry black woman, the angry white woman, the angry rich person. What about the. Oh, actually, I have seen more stuff of like the old straight white man who was angry. There is not. I feel like there Mm -hmm. hasn't been a settled term, but I've seen there are. That is like a video trend right now. Get off my lawn. I feel like the MAGA moron kind of encompasses that. The MAGA moron seems to be the white male stereotype right now. Um, but just, I don't I, know. It sucks being angry and have like, and then like being angry that like, I'm not supposed to be angry right now, but I'm just so pissed off. I think, I mean, if you're a non-fat person and this kind of pops up in front of you, I think the thing to really keep in mind is that whatever you're observing, like if there's a, a fat person who's angry, uh, 
this is not the first time yeah, or the second time or the third or the fourth or whatever it is they're dealing with. It has happened so many times mm-hmm. that whatever you think might just be like an irrational response or a, a leap to extreme anger, it's because it has happened over and over and over again. And all of those other times they were resisting the urge to be angry yes. until it just like it, you, you, you can't help it after a point. And so even if it feels like some crazy irrational response to you because you don't deal with the same things, um, it's important to just understand that this is their life. This is this happens constantly. I think, I think one of the easiest examples to understand was a friend of mine, uh, not a friend, somebody I knew was so shocked. But when I I just asked her if I could touch her hair. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh. Boy. Yeah, but imagine how many fucking like how do you feel when someone walks up and touches your hair? And now imagine <laughs> everyone wanting to do it all the time because they don't have hair like yours. Mm-hmm. That's like, so icky. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I think that's a really good illustration of both the I've been dealing this with I've been dealing with this my entire life and the complete naivete of the person asking. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the obliviousness. The obli- well, yeah. And, you know, you can make a case for like how they shouldn't be oblivious, how oblivious do they have to be, and blah, blah, blah. But that is really what most of these situations are. It's somebody being completely oblivious and thereby offensive and somebody who is who is upset seemingly out of proportion because they've been dealing with this thing their whole life. Yeah. yeah. So what about the, the, the jolly fat person trope? How do, I mean, like, what, what, what do you, I guess, what well, the, give me a scenario. Like what is like, if... I guess the point is like nobody else is going to be put off. Like the, the sad fat fat person trope, you know, an outsider would observe it and say like, oh, poor you. Like, of course you're going to be sad. Like there, there's different ways into it except for the jolly fat person, which is what everyone else is fine with. They're fine with. You're not the angry fat person and you're not I, the sad fat person. I really think the only way to fight the jo- the prison that the jolly fat person trope can be, the only way to fight it is with introspection. I, I don't think I, yeah. I think Don's Brent Don's right there, and because usually who that is is the fat man. Mm-hmm. It's usually the fat man who's and and the reason you don't see a lot of men in fat fat, fat activism yeah. is because no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yep. No, it's fine. I mean, yeah, I get made fun of, but I, I'm fine. Really, no, yeah. it doesn't mean anything to me. No, there I'm is fine. A, there's an equivalent among women. I think there's the yes. sassy fat woman. Maybe um, I, I would even say, or just the nice fat girl, the nice fat girl who is just yeah. like she is just oh, trying and. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this in the mini set of harmlessness. Like, they end up the punching bag because mm-hmm. they just will, they just, they just will take the beating and smile and just the, the mistreatment because yep. it's like, well, I just want to be, you know, this uh, is the price I, of they, inclusion. They want to be part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The price, the price of, inclusion. of inclusion is your abuse, you know? Uh, and um, I hate yeah. to, but, and that's also, that is also the threat of being the jolly fat man. Right. So, but, but I was going to say, Don, I want to go back to that point that you made. It is about you. It's not that you've been, you have been cast in the role, but the only way out of it is to yeah. see yourself having been I, cast I in the role. I stepped into that role willingly. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah exactly. Like I, I Thank put you. myself in that prison. Yeah, yeah. I, in order to escape it, it was an action I had to make. That was my own decision. There was no external cause for it because People liked me that way. And the worst part of it is that the way out of it is to do exactly what the behavior is designed to circumvent, which is exclusion. Mm -hmm. And you risk that. So my question for you then is like in that transitional experience, did you ever run into a situation where you could tell people wanted you to be the jelly fat person and you weren't? Oh God. Or like what what, what was that feeling like? How did you? Um, 
I found one of the things that I discovered when I started trying to break the trope a little bit was that how many social situations I was invited into because I was a very good social lubricant. Oof. Uh, mm. Introducing me into a group, I could smooth over uh, people's sharp edges. I could help people mix well. Like that was what I was a good host. There was a utility. Well, I, I was an excellent ad- addition to any social group. And you're the, you're the buffer. Yeah, I'm a great buffer. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm socially traumatized, so I'm always on alert looking for uh quick and subtle changes to people's behavior and then boom, going to it, solving it. Well, yeah, that's the host's best friend. It. That's the yeah. host's best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that you know, I don't I'm not saying every jolly fat man takes on that specific role, but we all take on something like that. And that's not mm-hmm. a bad role to take on. No. I'm just saying it's about choice. It's still a skill set that I have. And I'm happy Absolutely. to employ, Absolutely. but when someone expects it of me, then there's something wrong. There. Well, yeah. And yeah. when that's the yeah. only reason you're there, if, yeah. if it ever occurs that way, then that's, that's also pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe uh, to close this out, Don, what would you give to like a listener who is like, oh my God, I so relate with this. I am trapped in this role. What would be like a good first step for someone to take? <sighs> What I would suggest is finding, uh, selecting one friendship that you feel is the most genuine and solid and start expanding on your role in that friendship, right? Uh, Expand on stepping outside that, that jolly fat man you've taken on with that one person and then make that person an ally in going into the rest of your world, bringing another person who can also Mm -hmm. help you expand outwards from there. That, that's my that's my two cents. I have an elaboration for that, which I think could be helpful, which I mean, my way into this obviously is not as a fat person, but as somebody who is incredibly accommodating mm-hmm. and has I spent my 20s being very, you know, what about you? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. It, there's sort of a codependence to it. And the way out of that kind of a relationship is to. Uh, I mean, continue to ask questions about whoever your friend is and you have discussion, but share about yourself too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Share about your life yeah. and the things that aren't necessarily going perfectly or, or it's funny anecdotes, but also the things that you're struggling with, things that are, are weighing on your mind, right? Mm-hmm. That aren't going to necessarily provide a fun, bubbly, lively conversation mm-hmm. and give the other person a chance to relate to you on a realer level. Let me add in one extra layer. This is this is advanced. This is the advanced <laughs> layer. When you start sharing yourself with these people, pay attention. Okay, there's a lot of um, let's better put this. I discovered a lot of people out there actually were not supportive when you started making your life about yourself. Mm-hmm. They will push back. Um, pay attention for who those people are, and do not make them your foundations. And I, I, I kind of want to follow up on that because that's, yes. If you start sharing about yourself and you you find that they're like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do with that? Oh my God, you just said something that like, that that's not why I invited you. To or the transition the conversation back to themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing is, it's not that they necessarily like, okay, you haven't blown up the relationship and it's not necessarily that they didn't want to hear from you they may be really, really bad at hearing personal 
traumatic, like personal details. Mm -hmm. They're not good at that. And that's why they surround themselves with people who don't share them. And that Mm -hmm. was what you were doing before. There's a reason that these, (laughs) these types attract each other because one supports the other. It's, 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 it's a, a a social version of a a codependent relationship. Exactly. Um, anyway, so we, that's a lot. Um, hopefully there's some helpful stuff in there for people. And yeah, good, good luck. Let us know if you, if you make some element of change like this in your life, or if you have an interaction with somebody, uh, let us know what happened and how it went. I'd be, I'd be curious. Yeah. Hopefully it goes well. Trevor, do we have a tip this week? We certainly do. (gasps) Um, so the tip is, um, I've been getting Instagram ads for these couches. Uh, the band, the brand is Annabay and they have steel framed couches, um, with washable, um, did you say, covers did, and stuff. Do you say steel framed? Yes. Oh, um, and in the, the ad caught my attention because it's like they're showing this like kind of corner armchair thing, and like people just keep stepping up onto it, and it's like I think at the end there's like I mean like five straight oh, size people standing on it, hmm. and it seemed I don't know if they're targeting fat people because like a lot of <laughs> fat accounts I follow like are also liking the ads. I mean, um, and it's, I can see why you can do armchairs. They do couches they They come in different configurations and, um, the covers are removable and washable. Nice. They um, are and stain resistant. It just seems like a nice, um, I was going to say they're somewhat expensive, but they look like they could probably be like super worth it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I am, I am following them now and I'm just curious to, uh, see, um, if they have like, cause I feel like they're, uh, chairs and couches right now are all very samey in like the shape and style. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so I'm curious to see if they get new shape, um, like new shapes in ter- and silhouettes in terms of their couches and stuff, or if there's more stuff. So mm-hmm. I would, I would keep an eye on them and well, check them out. I'm in def- desperate need of a new couch. If we, if I happen to have a new sponsorship opening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get at us, Anna Bay <laughs> slide into our DMS. <laughs> all right. Well, today, since we were talking about the jolly fat man trope, I thought maybe we could take a little detour into another jolly area of study and uh, discuss what life aboard ships that flew the Jolly Roger was like. (laughs) Today we're talking pirates, boys. I was thinking we're like Jolly Ranchers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Those are fat farmers. So you might be surprised to find out that while Hollywood has made up all sorts of bullshit that we now think of as history, like horns on Viking helmets or Iron Maidens being a thing, uh, there's one thing they actually did get right about pirates. They did, in fact, often wear eye patches. The question oh, is- Oh, I know why. Why? And so Michael's going to answer last, if he knows why, right? I know why. Yeah, that's cool. Answer one, cosmetic reasons. Eye injuries were common and disconcerting to look at. Two, safety reasons. Eye injuries from shrapnel were incredibly common. Covering one eye so you wouldn't lose both at the same time was very common. There you go, 50% better right there. Three, combat reasons. They would keep one eye covered to use in daylight and switch when going below decks to avoid night blindness. Or four, Don's full of shit reasons. <laughs> of course they didn't wear eye, eye, eye patches. Uh, I'm going to say three, the like the day night thing. Day night thing. Okay. Get, trying to keep their night vision when boarding mm-hmm. ships. Well, yeah. Yeah, going above and below. <laughs> I, I really wanted there to be something about like spy glasses. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I don't know. I'll go with the day night thing. Cause Trevor's 
if, if, if he's wrong, then we're both wrong and he's never <laughs> wrong. So, but Michael, what is it really? You're a wise person. Follow Trevor every time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's night vision. It is night vision. This uh. was a legit thing. Uh, not only working on board the ship, having to go above and below, but when you're boarding a ship in a dangerous situation where there might be someone with a gun waiting for you below decks, um, you don't want to be blinded that moment when you go downstairs. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you just I imagine- mean, that was just the whole point of piracy, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Invading the lower decks. Right. Like, they don't have light. They don't have much light that they could put, you know, in a, in a completely shattered environment. So. Yeah, and, and oddly putting, I mean, I know it's surrounded by water, but putting candles on wooden ships. Probably <laughs> not your best choice. <laughs> so according to legend, how did the legendary Blackbeard earn his name? Uh, Blackbeard, one of the most famous pirates I, of all time. I'm pretty Black, sure I, I know think Blackbeard, I know one of the most famous right. redheads to ever sail the seas. <laughs> <laughs> one, he burned the beards of all the men he took prisoner. Ooh. Two, he would burn hemp in his beard in order to frighten his prisoners. Three, he would eat the hearts of his victims and the blood would turn black in his unwashed beard over Ooh. time. Or four, Blackbeard was just the name of his ship. I think Blackbeard was the name of his ship. God damn it. <laughs> I want to say two. Two, he, he burned hemp in his beard and it singed it. All right, yeah. we got two hemp people and we got one for the ship. The correct answer is in fact... He burned hemp in his no. beard during uh, prisoner interrogations. To, he would be sweet. And he would just yeah. be like this smoking demonic figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that was, it was an intimidation thing. I should point out that this has been disproven by historians, but it is still a popular story told about him in pop culture. Well, I disbelieve it. I like the idea of the pirates like going home and telling us like, and he would, he would light hemp in his beard. <laughs> so he would be like a smoke monster and it would spook all of the, our, our captives are. <laughs> all right. Final question for the day. It's pretty much accepted that the most powerful pirate of all time was a Chinese woman named, and I'm sorry to our Chinese listeners. I do not stand a chance of pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Ching Shi. Okay. Okay. At the height of her power, she had an armada of 300 ships and 40,000 men under her control. She terrorized the, uh, the, the China. She terrorized European shipping lanes, drove off the Sorry. Spanish and the Portuguese. You said 40,000? Yeah, that's 40, a fucking armada. Men. That's she, an army. Yeah. Wow. She, and with the time she retired, she, uh, or died or whatever, at the end of her life, uh, she was the dominant, uh, Water power in that you know, with that many crewmen, she must have had a hell of an HR department. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now, how did life end for Xing Shi, the legendary pirate queen? One, she died a national hero while defeating the Portuguese Navy. Oh, Hmm. two, she was hung by the Spanish after singing, sinking most of the year's opium cargo. Man, those fish felt great. (laughs) (laughs) Three, she died at a ripe old age in exile from her homeland, but one of the richest women in Europe. Or four, she forced the emperor of China to pardon her and her entire armada and then retired to Guangdong where she opened a brothel and lived to a ripe old age. I, I like the last one. I love her. the last one. Yeah, the last one, but that feels like a Dawn story <gasps> to me. That Why, feels, Michael, how it's, dare it's, you? It's either because that's the kind of story he would write or he picked this because it's the kind of story he's interested in. You know, in. when I you know when I think of a Don story, I, you know, I think of brothels. Brothels are always involved. <laughs> it's always some, but some powerful woman running a brothel. Write what you know. Write what you know. That's all I ever say. 
Uh, should we just all go for four yeah. and be done? Go down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> go down with the opium. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Y'all, y'all are right. No. Yeah. She literally, she, uh, I think the story was she basically uh, forced the Portuguese to flee at that point and then quote unquote surrendered to the Chinese government. Oh, right. Who then instantly pardoned her, nice. gave her and and her 40,000 fucking men. Well, yeah. Enormous financial rewards. I told you, great HR department. Yeah. Um, and then she retired and opened a brothel. <laughs> the largest. With the 40,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she had like secret pictograms of the naked yep. emperor or something. <laughs> like she this some is kind also of someone that I, like, I, I feel okay saying this. I've been trying to get a movie made about this one for a long time. I knew it. I am not I the it. only one. <laughs> no, uh, there's no. a bunch of movies. And wasn't she a character in one of the uh, 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 Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I think so. If she was, I don't. I mean, they didn't didn't tend to do historical. I don't think they did a couple, but I don't think it was her. They had an old female Chinese pirate. Did they really? I think so. Oh, was it part of the like the the table of pirates? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I could see that. Well, listener, do you have experiences as a pirate that you would like to share with us at the podcast? Where could they do that, Trevor? Well, we're on Instagram and Twitter. I'm still saying Twitter at as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars on all of your podcast platforms. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com, baby. Uh, maybe you're on a boat and you feel gentle rocking and ding, ding. <laughs> a seagull flies by. <laughs> and you, you, you have your eye patch because you're going to be going below deck. Uh huh. And you switch and you go below deck, and it's Michael! Ah, watch out! <laughs>